Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Walking Down the Warwick Road. Uh, it's a podcast where we take a look at various events in Manchester United's glorious history. Uh, we took a break earlier this year due mainly to the number of matches United were playing um, in that run uh, at the end of last season, in the both, both the Cups, three Cups um, and the league. And it was getting a bit too difficult to uh, get to matches, get tickets, uh, watch matches and produce a podcast. Um, but now we'd like to continue where we left off um, in February. I'd like to say it's by popular demand, uh, but I couldn't base that on any firm evidence. Uh, but nevertheless, here we go. Uh, my name's Pete Molyneux, but let me quickly introduce my partners in crime. Uh, firstly, Mr. Roger Gardner. Roger, how are you doing? I'm well, how are you? Uh, very well, thanks. Very well, yeah. And secondly, our very own uh, Niagara Red, that's Tim Stockton, based in Toronto. Tim, how are you doing? I'm good. It's good to be back, Pete. I'm excited. Good. And last, and by no means least, um, when it comes to supporting United, this man could be described as a bastion. Ladies and gentlemen, I think I've pronounced that correctly, Mr Roy Cavana. Roy, say hello. Hello, hello. Great to be in your company, the three of you. Thanks very much. And you. <laughs> Well, Absolutely. yes, well, right back at you there, Roy. Um, yeah, it does seem to have been a long time, even though we've kept we've kept in touch behind the scenes, yes. um, all yes. of us. So, um, so this episode is called Born to be Red. And um, Manchester United have always attracted a fanatical following, uh, be it the post-war veteran players that Busby's first great side had between 45 and 52. And then there was the incompatible Babes, um, who were destined never to pull their, fulfil their potential. Uh, the best Lord Charlton era, 63 to 69. Uh, it had a lot more stars than just those three. And it was, of course, the first English team to win the European Cup. But And right through since the 60s, right through to the current day where United have a fanatical following. And we saw that even in uh, Copenhagen in the last 10 days. Um, but even in 1934, I came across a picture the other week. Um, United nearly went into the third tier in May 1934. Um, we've never been in the third tier, but we had to win in London at Millwall. Not an easy thing to do now or even in the 30s. But United won 2-0 to stay up in the second tier and then bounced the way back into the top tier. 3,000 supporters waited through the night to... Um, welcome the team home at Central Station uh, in Manchester. So we've always had a fanatical following. Um, so what we wanted to discuss in this show is um, the four of us have all followed United for several years in various ways and from different locations. Um, we're probably what you'd call time-served Reds. Um, so this over this hour, we want to just discuss how we came to follow United with a passion and what it means to be a Manchester United Red and kind of why we've, we've stuck with them. So hopefully that makes sense to the uh, participants and to the people listening. Um, so first of all, can we just do some quick facts? Um, we'll start with um, Roger. Uh, where were you born? Uh, when you when were you born? Where were you born? And where do you live now? So uh, I lived in the West Country until I was 11. I was actually born in Bristol, although uh, that was because I was poorly. Um, so so I, I've lived in Cornwall uh, the majority of my life. Um, my parents moved to Birmingham um, in 1981, uh, which was quite handy because that was the era of Manchester United. 
And Roger, uh, I know you're a shy person, but I don't think you shared with us when you were born. Do you want to share that with us, just so we can put a, perspe a perspective on your timeline? Yes, uh, I'm getting older. My memory isn't good. Uh, 1970, I was born. 1970, righty-ho. And the same to you, Tim. Uh, when, when were you born? Where were you born? And where do you live now? Right. So I, I was born in um, 1979. So I've got my, my, actually my 44th birthday coming up in a few days. Um, born and raised and currently living in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. Um, haven't moved around too, too much. I've just been in Niagara my whole life. Okay. And Roy? I was born on the longest day of 1947, which is the 21st of June. So I'm 76. I was born in Salford the year before the NHS started. Um, and I I was bred in Salford and I still live in Salford, which is the finest city in the world as far as I'm concerned. And um, a lifelong United fan because we live very close um, to Trafford Swing Bridge, which took you over and into Trafford Park. And there was the great Old Traffords because I'm also watched Lancashire, um, which Tim's family were a major part of in the 1930s. All right, thanks for that, gents. And finally, um, I was born in uh, 1954. Um, I share the same affinity to, to Salford as Roy does, except that in 54, my parents were £10 poms and emigrated to Australia. Um, and I was born late, later that year in 54. But in a way, certainly as regards football, thank God they, they came back to Salford two years later. It didn't work out in Australia. Otherwise, I could be doing a podcast now with uh, three other Adelaide United supporters. Um, so I uh, got back in 56 as a two-year-old and have lived in Salford all my life since. And I am now uh, 69. Okay, so that just puts a time on, on where, where we're at and what sort of areas we, we may have lived through. But um, if we just go around the table again, so to speak... Um, and we'll start with Roger again. When did you first become aware of an entity called Manchester United? So, um, when did you first know of this thing existing? I think I've liked uh, football long, longer than I liked music. Um, the first record I ever bought was in 1978, was the Boomtown Rats. And I realized today, um, I've been liking United longer than 1996 is the first match I can remember. And I can remember being broken hearted. So that will tell you um, probably which match that was. Um, it was the FA Cup um, against Southampton, of course. Um, but I think I heard about United mostly in those days through hearing about Bob Charlton, uh, George Best and Dennis Law and the European Cup triumph in uh, football annuals. We used to have a lot of jumble sales around uh, Cornwall. Um, and my dad used to come back with with football annuals and you know there was no internet or anything to sort of get your knowledge from in those so it was a you know a good eager about manchester united and in fact um apart from science i don't read very much at all apart from manchester united so that habit has stayed with me right and when when would you say then that you became aware of them then when would you say they became your team was that instant instantaneous um so I've got a bit of lineage myself, um, it kind of mirrors um, Tim. 
Um, when Tommy Doherty was at Aston Villa, um, his wife Agnes was friends with my grandma, and they, they lived near. And in fact, I think my grandma used to clean the doc's house. I, I think if that's, if that's right. Um, anyway, when, when I was a nipper, um, she wrote to Agnes and said, Roger likes football and likes Manchester United. And so Tommy Doherty sent me a 1976-77 poster and sent me a, a Manchester United. That is one of my prized possessions. And, and just looking at the team on the back of that picture, that, that is my Manchester United team. Um, and I love the picture of the United Row um, in the middle of that scarf as well. I, I thought it was probably the finest um, stand in, in British football. And, and I've always loved Old Trafford. Right, okay, good stuff. Um, Tim, when when did you first become aware of the entity that is Manchester United? Oh, well, it started when I was a lad, um, as when I was just a, a boy. Roy kind of um, touched on it. My my dad is uh, my dad's from Altrincham, and um, our family is from the all over the general area there. But um, from Sale, they migrated to. Uh, when my when my um, great grandfather Albert um, got a job at um, Stratford Town Hall across from the on Warwick Road, they moved to Warwick Road from Sale on the Priory. Um, and he said it was to take to new, the new job, but it was actually a, a, a guise to be closer to Lancashire County Cricket Club, where he was the the treasurer. Um, his brother Edwin was the was the um, chairman as well. Um, through 30s as Roy kind of kind of touched on and um, and so it kind of from there it, it sort of transcended down to my grandfather and down to my my dad and my great uncles my, my grandfather's brothers um, so it's very much just been in the blood um, ever since I was a boy and um, you know we used to get the we used to get the um, you know the odd little you know, United knickknack sent over from the UK that um, the relatives would send over. And uh, back in those days in Canada, you know, in the in the late 80s, early 90s, you couldn't get the games over here. So, you know, we used to have to, I remember walking up to the corner shop with my dad and uh, we'd get the British papers, but you'd get them a week later. So you wouldn't get the results until a week after they actually happened. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and you might get the FA Cup final here on the CBC, which is which is uh, our equivalent of the BBC, our national broadcaster. So, um, so it was very di it was difficult to follow United in those days intently um, because you just didn't have access to the any mediums to to be able to do that. Um, you know, the odd time we might call back over to the UK, and my dad would ask, we'd ask how United's do how, how United was doing, get the updates from from the family then, but. Um, yeah, it was, it was difficult, but it was very much passed down. My grad got, uh, my grandfather was at the, my, sorry, my great grandfather was at the, um, 1935, 1936 Manchester United promotion dinner at the Midland hotel. And I still have his invitation to that, uh, to that gala with a picture of him with the team. And, um, when he passed manager, the manager at the time, Scott Duncan was at his, at his funeral. So I have the obituary, uh, that was in the. I think it was the Manchester Evening News, um, if I remember correctly where it's from. I have the obituary upstairs, but uh, and I think which I've proudly showed you, you guys in our group chat um, over over time. But 
yeah, so that's how I got into it, and it's just been with me ever since. So that's some heritage, Tim. He's saying that two, at least two of your relatives then lived on Warwick Road. In yeah, yeah. So actually, my it's funny because when my grandfather mobilized to go over for World War II in 1940, he literally there's a, a picture of him uh, standing in the archway on Warwick Road at their house. Um, and he actually, they, he actually uh, knew some of the, the Busby babes when they'd make the, the walk down Talbot Street and make the turn onto Warwick Road to go to the grounds. Um, so when that happened, uh, when obviously when Munich happened, they were the family had by then moved over to Canada. Um, and my, I, my dad, I still remember my dad telling me my grandfather just wept because, you know, he had not great friends with them, but knew some of the lads as they would walk, you know, down to the ground at that time. And would be friendly with them so very good yeah well that's, that's a tremendous uh, heritage you know and I, and for those uh, people that come across this uh, podcast it was tim that inspired this uh, podcast to get us together not this episode but back in uh, 2020 that we should do something called walking down the warwick road and yeah. um i can't remember exactly what i thought but it's probably along the lines of well what this guy what does this guy that lives in niagara falls know about what <laughs> Warwick Road, Stratford, uh, but that was that. There was I, I needed my education uh, improving on that, and Tim Tim put me right on that. So uh, great story, that Tim. Right, Roy. Um, so we just want to know when did you first hear then about Manchester United being a thing? Before I start that, great story that Tim, and uh, but you should be very proud of uh, of the Stockton. Uh, heritage for 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 the cricket uh, at Old Trafford, particularly. Mm. Uh, that all came about from my my uh, grandmother, who had a very romantic name called Sabina, and uh, in her day was a most beautiful lady. She was a an original tiller girl, and my gran lived with us. Um, and every every day she would walk up our alley, back alley, to the corner shop. And she would get a pint of gill of water of, uh, of, of beer and she had a shawl on uh, and she'd put the beer under and on a saturday i i used to walk up with her and on a saturday half four five o'clock she 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 had a bit of a rest and we stood and blokes were coming back from football matches and she would say to them um have you got a program spare and they'd give her a program and of course that started up my love of collecting football programs and the program they were given her was the manchester united united review right. uh, so consequently that's the first time i would have heard really uh, about manchester united six or seven and of course my mates at school were kicking footballs uh, around and slightly older than yet. and then of course i started going in 1955 so that's my first introduction to the name of manchester united god bless sabina <laughs> no that, that, that's a cracking story and it's funny how sometimes that was just obviously serendipity for want of a better word once you were not hanging about then you saw this lady going past and uh that 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 started got a lifelong love you know but, um right okay um i was um I used to, when I was eight, I used to go outside and kick a football about with my next door neighbour called Dave. And this Saturday afternoon, we were kicking a ball about. And 
he said, let's be two teams. So I said, right, who do you want to be? And we knew we knew a bit about football then, not a lot. But he said, oh, there's a final on at the moment. My dad's watching it. I said, oh, yeah, my dad's watching it. So I went inside and asked my dad who the two teams were. And it was the 1963 FA Cup final. And he said, it's Manchester United versus Leicester, son. So we both ran out then, me and Dave, and started kicking the ball about. But we couldn't decide who was going to be who. So I ran back inside and asked my dad which colours the teams played in. And it was a black and white telly then, colour hadn't come in. So he says, well, the dark, the dark strip is Manchester United in red. And uh, I think Leicester were in all white then. They changed over from their blue because in black and white, you couldn't tell the difference. So me and Dave went back outside. And for some reason, I, I chose the team in red. It was the red that attracted me. And Dave Hibbert, as he was called, was happy to settle for Leicester City. Um, so that's how I became aware of a thing called Manchester United. And we, we, we played out the FA Cup final over the next hour or so, where I was United, he was Leicester. Otherwise, I could be doing a podcast with three Leicester supporters this afternoon. Um, but thank the Lord, I chose Manchester United. And uh, that was my first knowledge of there being something called Manchester United. So if we can move it forward, uh, gents, uh, we want to talk now really about, um, we'd heard of this thing called United, but when did we first uh, go to watch United in the flesh, so to speak? What, what, what was roughly the year, the date, if you know it, the match, the venue? And what, what were any special matches about that, that day that you remember? And we'll go back to Roger for this, if you want to take us away, Roger. Your first game yeah. was in the flesh. That was the Charity Shield. Um, 1967, obviously, Liverpool had won the league. We'd won the, the FA Cup under uh, Tommy Doherty and then... Obviously, his managerial, managerial career at Old Trafford imploded. Um, but there's quite a nice story, really, between how I got um, to go to my first game. I was looking, wondering what the date was. It was 13th August 1977. Um, my dad um, was a Methodist minister, and he often used to swap houses with um, friends of his around the country. So if he wanted a holiday, he would just swap his house in Cornwall for a house in another part of and get a free holiday. Um, and in August, he swapped houses um, with a minister in Kilburn, and uh, we went on holiday to London for two weeks. What must have been the Friday, the 12th of August, we were walking down the street and um, in the town somewhere, and uh, there was this guy selling roses. So I, I said to my dad, um, can I have a rosette? And there was a red rosette. So um, my dad sort of paid the guy for the rosette. Obviously, I had a Manchester United one. I didn't have a Liverpool one. And um, the guy said to my dad, so are you going to the match tomorrow? Um, my dad is in the United one. So he said, oh, what match is, is that? Um, and the guy said, oh, it's the Charity Shield at uh, Wembley tomorrow. Um, obviously, my dad knew what the Charity Shield was. Um, so my dad said to me, what, do you want to go? And I'm like, yes, of course I want to go. So uh, my dad um, took me to the charity show at Wembley. My vivid memory, which he wanted to know about the whole thing, probably was walking along Wembley Way. And back in the day, Wembley was a bit of a dump, if we're going to be honest. And still sort of a, a really nice place to go as a football fan, I think, when you were inside. 
But what I remember were all these beer cans that were along Wembley Way. And of course, being a, a being seven, it was only seven at the time, the great joy I had was kicking the cans. My dad was getting madder and madder with me as I was walking nearer, nearer the, um, the stadium, kicking the cans along the road. Anyway, I get in the stadium and um, I sat somewhere along the side of the pitch, down at the front. I think they had cheaper seats that were benches um, at the front of Wembley. So it wasn't the most comfortable seat that I've ever sat in. And I can remember a couple of United players coming in, taking a throw in. I remember our still and I can remember Gordon Hill sort of running past me a couple of times. But um, if anybody wants to come to Old Trafford with me or, or to watch United with me, be warned. Uh, because I do have a record of watching nil-nil draws, I'm afraid. And the Charity Shield um, in 77 was no exception to that rule. However, there was another game I was able to see very close to this time, very my living Cornwall. And this was largely thanks to the misbehaviour of Manchester United fans. So uh, United had to play the Cup Winners' Cup game against Etienne, 300 miles from Old Trafford. And 300 miles from Old Trafford, apparently, and with a ground that you can get a good number of people in at least, is Plymouth Argyle Home Park. So um, luckily my dad in Cornwall was quite well connected with some people. And my friend got me a ticket and um, took me along to Home Park see all of my heroes play uh, Saint-Étienne, who uh, I think they reached the semi-finals of the European Cup the year before. So, so they were a hell of a team. Um, so my, my first two United games that I saw were very, very special to me. No, no, well, I remember the, the, the Charity Shield very well in 77. You know, it was a, a dull nil-nil draw, but famous for Kenny Dalgleish's uh, debut, I think, for Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And of course, it was um, Dave Sexton's first game in charge as well. Yes. Absolutely. Very appropriate that it was a nil-nil draw, I'd say, then. Yeah. If I understood you right there, Roger, you weren't going to go to the Chelsea Shield. It was just, again, serendipity. No. Somebody was passing that had some yeah. tickets. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, so literally, the guy was selling rosettes. And he must have been there thinking, I'll make a buck or two on the charity shield and you know i said to my dad can i have a rosette and and the guy said are you going to the charity shield i i, I can remember him saying it um to this day and and you were how old then you, you were only seven. Seven. seven seven yes of course yes that must have been really like getting the uh charlie getting the ticket to the chocolate factory exactly that i mean certainly actually getting a ticket for the Perth. um uh, cup winners cup game really was like getting a bit for charlie and the chocolate factory because everybody in devon and cornwall wanted to go um, and see manchester united and and people still talk about it locally Kenneth argyle actually had a, an end year that they used to publish every year and, and i got it in 1977 and, and i read the section on the manchester united game and there's a great pitch with louis edwards um and obviously traveled down for the game and he's um, presenting a cigarette case, a gold cigarette case, to um, Chief Constable of uh, Devon and Cordwell Police for helping them put the, the match on. And you just think that probably wouldn't happen today. It was a great night like this. Yeah, no, fantastic, fantastic. Okay, Roy, uh, when did it um, finally happen for you to go to uh, see uh, this team that Sabina had... Uh, Casually introduced you to. When did you actually get to see them play? 
Well, the first times I can 100% memor memorize um, uh, was 1955. Um, and I can vividly remember going to the FA Youth Cup game against Plymouth Argyle, funnily enough, Roger. It was uh, Plymouth Argyle and United at Old Trafford. Uh, and in those days, the youth team would kick off at about 11 o'clock in the morning and the reserve team would play at, uh, follow on and play at two. And uh, I went and I know I definitely was at this game and um, the following um, week's football programme um, has got a picture of the of the match uh, against Plymouth on it. And Plymouth had these green shirts and on the back they had a white they had a box a white box and of course the number of the of the player was was on the back of them i remember the color and the and everything but the united team that day um the halfback line was coleman at four edwards at five mcginnis at six kenny morgans was number seven um Bobby Charlton played and Shay Brennan played. So they had a pretty good youth side. Uh, yeah. And they won the game, obviously, um, comfortably by nine goals to nil. Uh, and Jack Rowley had actually just taken over as manager, one of United's legends from the 48 52 team. He'd just taken over as manager at Plymouth Argyle. And what's incredible about that game is that three weeks from that day, which was the 12th of March, 1955, so the first Saturday in April, 55, Duncan Edwards made his international debut for England against Scotland at Wembley. Um, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, three weeks earlier, he was playing 11 o'clock in the morning for the youth team, and there he was making his international debut. Um, the first time I can vividly remember the first team was the game against Chelsea, the last game of the 54-5 season. And Chelsea had just won the, the league title that year. Uh, and that was the first time in their then 50 years existence. And it would be another 50 years uh, before they won it again when Mr. Abramovich turned up. Um, but I, I, in those days, the Stretford end was just a totally open. Imagine you were stood in the goal at the Stretford end looking back and you would just have this huge terracing no cover whatsoever um a bit like the whole 10 used to be a, a villa um massive end uh, and i know we were on the strip for them for for that game we came out i i was still only about seven and I had my autograph boot with me and we walked come round and we turned up where the munich tunnel is now because that's where the players entrance used to be halfway along that um that that area and outside players entrance was this coach old-fashioned coach uh nowadays seeing it um and my dad said give me give me an autograph boot yeah, give me his autograph boot and i can vividly remember i'm seven by the way we just watched united in chelsea and he climbed on board the coach to get all the chelsea autographs for me which is brilliant but suddenly i'm stood outside and the coach starts moving up the up the up the forecourt up to the forecourt i'm still stood like uh, outside the players entrance thinking how do we explain to me mum that my dad's just been uh, 
taken to London on the Chelsea, Chelsea bus. But thankfully, uh, it stopped. And of course, the forecourt in those days, um, it, it didn't have the only the only trinity statue or anything like that the souvenir shop it just had the scoreboard end and, and people would park the cars and of course there wasn't as many cars around 54 5. Um, but my dad got off the the coach and i was walking up to him and and there i was so it's a pretty memorable day united won two one and of course the next two seasons they were themselves going to be the league champions um and, and those are my first vivid mem vivid memories. The FA Youth Cup tie with Plymouth, 11 o'clock start, uh, and beating Chelsea uh, in, in the, uh, the last game of the season. How, how far did the coach go with your dad on it, leaving you as a seven-year-old behind? <laughs> yeah. I was wondering the same you'll thing. Know, you'll know where the, the, the old players' tunnel uh, entrance was. Pete, yes. halfway down so it went from there up up to the up to the road at the top right what it rolled um because it was you know it was a big forecourt and as it got to the to the top they must have realized that this bloke with his flat cap on wasn't actually one of the chelsea uh, stars that has just won the league title and uh, <laughs> off he came but he, he brought back i've not got it now as, and I can still remember it, but all the, the autographs in Ted Drake, famous name, was the Chelsea manager. Uh, Ron Greenwood, who became an England manager, uh, he, he played for Chelsea that day. And uh, Roy Bentley, a famous player. And all the uh, Frank Blundstone as well, who became uh, Tommy Doherty's, um, one of Tommy Doherty's coaches, was also on that coach. <laughs> okay yeah and no mention at all of the social services being called in uh because your father <laughs> abandoned you I, I give him 10 out of 10 for his dedication to get collecting uh, autographs of memorabilia 10 out of 10 for that uh probably about three out of 10 for childcare. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah unless he wanted to get rid of me i mean he possibly made his mind up after seven years of uh of uh, listening to me no i think it, if that was true roy have stayed on the coach <laughs> uh, well so tim uh, there you are three thousand miles away right from where united play uh, usually and uh in the, in the, around the country how did you get and when did you get to first watch united hmm. play there well um as soon as i turned 18 i told my parents i'm old enough to travel by myself i'm i'm going over to manchester to see united and when I, when my dad found out that I was going, he said, I'm coming with you. And my brother was, my brother said as well, yeah, I'm coming too. So it was very much a, a family affair. And it was May 1st, 1999. And there was a young Tim standing with his brother outside of, uh, standing outside of Old Trafford. We played Aston Villa that day. Um, there's uh, the, program now that the program signed my cousin was getting trained by a personal trainer who was also happened to be a security guard at old trafford and so we were staying at my cousin's house and when the security guard found out that we were from canada there to see united um he was kind enough to get us um, some autograph programs that day from the players as they came out um and there's with a ticket so that's in a frame that i have hanging in my house and this is a, a memento of the um of my first ever 
trip to Old Trafford. And it was, so this, it was this was during the running for the this was during the running for the ninety nine. Yes, yeah, it was during the treble season. Uh, what a time to go, right? And it was um, it was right just during the run in, as you said, Pete. Um, and it was just the, the the atmosphere and the it was a fever pitch being over there. Um, you know, and during normal times, you know, being excited, it would be so exciting to be over there. But particularly during the run-in, it was even even more exciting. And yeah, just a, a, a tremendous game. There's nothing quite like walking out and and you know, you, you know, if yourself, Pete, getting to be there week in and week out, week out, week in and week out, and Roy and Roger having been to, you know, being in in the UK and being able to go to multiple games. I can speak from a international perspective that. Um, you know, walking into Old Trafford for the first time is absolutely breathtaking. It just takes your breath away as soon as you see the pitch. You know, you see the cauldron of the stadium open up as you get into the arena, and it just, it really is breathtaking. And it's just, it's if you haven't had a chance to experience as an international um, supporter, you know, I highly recommend if you get an opportunity to get to Old Trafford, it's a cathedral. And, and it's it's just absolutely amazing and to be there with my dad and my brother was even more special um i am not sure if alan keegan was the was the stadium announcer at the time um or not but someone had tipped off or tipped off the stadium announcer where they were there and so over the pa system before the game came we'd like to welcome the stockton boys from niagara falls um which was another added touch uh it was it, the game was poised it was one one um and in the 46 minute, upstepped David Beckham. And I know, you know, and I've heard you, Pete, talk about your, your love affair with Best Law and Charlton and um, just the coolness factor that those players oozed back in the day. Well, for me, as a supporter in the late 90s, you know, David Beckham with the flowing hair and, you know, dating Posh Spice was, was sort of my, uh, you know, right around the, Kind of right around the same age as me um and he stepped up and just beautiful free kick right into the top left corner i believe and we were right in line with it and i just remember my dad turning to me and saying right we can go home now um you know it was just it was a magical day the whole day was just absolutely magical we went to the cliff uh i think either the next day or a couple days later at the old cliff training ground um different vibe back there we were able to walk right up to the fence that surrounded the cliff um and and you know watch the players train so tremendous tremendous trip magical day magical first trip i i can imagine especially with and did, did you feel that heritage obviously you probably did walk down the warwick road yeah yeah we we did uh, that was that was part of the magic for me because um obviously i had never seen the house where you know my grandfather lived in and where my great grandfather where the family lived in um and so being able to see that now I've been, I've seen it a couple of times since then and a couple more trips to Old Trafford. I think it's some sort of um, physiotherapist building or something now or some, it's, a, it's just some sort of business, but yeah, to see the house and I, I got a picture standing in the archway the same way my grandfather did when he left for uh, with the BEF in 1940. It's tremendous. No, that's good. And, and, even if you lived on the doorstep to go in that ground is something special but to travel 
3,000 miles and, and also wait so long because, I mean, you weren't, you weren't that old, you were just over 18, but you yeah. would have been longing, longing to go for a while. Uh, yeah. And and I can, I can imagine, I can I remember the match very, very well. Uh, the atmosphere would have been tremendous anyway because of that running. It was a fantastic running. And it was coming to a climax with, mm -hmm. between us and Arsenal. And of course, we were st we, by then we would have been in the European Cup final mm -hmm. and, and probably in the FA Cup final. So it really was brewing up very nicely. So that atmosphere that day, we, was, um, I don't know, I can't remember if they could get 70,000 in there, but however many they could get in. Uh, we're just baying for United to to get on and win the league, mm -hmm. and, and then go on and win win the treble. So uh, a, a great a great debut in every way. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, tremendous. Yeah. Um, well, if I move on from when I uh, had uh, been out playing football and heard about United playing in the '63 Cup final, I must have been bitten by the bug then because I'd asked my dad at the start of the next season in the August, could I go and watch United? I was too small and too young, he said, but he took me to the Youth Cup games that season. Uh, and I was very lucky because that turned out to be the first time United's youth team had won the Cup since the Munich crash, won the Youth Cup, and it would be the last time until the, 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 um, the, the class of, of 92. And in that team in 63-64 was Georgie Best, David Sadler, Fitzpatrick, uh, Jimmy Rimmer, Willie Anderson... Um, Johnny Aston, very good team, youth team that won the Youth Cup. And I saw it all the way through. We beat City, beat Swindon in the final. Um, but he still wouldn't take me, my dad, to a first team match because of the size of the crowds and the size of me. But the season after that then, 64-65, it got to the September. And I used to put the, the, the flags out for a rugby union side at Sedgley Park in Whitefield um, and get get half a crown which is about 12 and a half pence now um but i'd always ask my dad before i did that for the first few games that season could i go to old traffic he says no not yet son but on this day the 26th of september 1964 i asked him and to my amazement he, he looked at me mum and she nodded and he said go on take him and i went with him and the hairs are standing on me up on my arm now as, as i say it because that just opened a door and a journey in life that's just been incredible. But United were playing Tottenham Hotspur, 60-odd uh, thousand in the ground. We drove uh, to the ground, walked down Trafford Road. I had to take three steps for every one of my dads to keep up with him. I seem to remember that. But just going up into the stadium, which would have been where the Alex Ferguson stand is now on the United Road, and the roar of the crowd and the smells and the green, as Roy said, of the pitch stands out um and the roar when united came out just absolutely uh took me just 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 was like was like an, an instant drug um i've never needed any chemicals to have fun in my life any added chemicals but it must have been like a shot of heroin i guess in the arm because it just it, i just bought into it right away uh we won four one law got two and paddy Creran got two that must have been a rarity but that yeah. set me off. Uh, I got to my first team game uh, ever. I was I was ten, just turned ten, and luckily, he, my dad decided he would take me to all the games after that when he went. So I got to um, most of the games for the rest of that season. Um, got to nearly all the games till about 1967, 
and then went 18 years without missing a home game at all. So I really did get the bug and um, just fell in love with this team that was Manchester United. So Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so if I can, if I can, good stories there, lad. Sorry, I'm not, uh, I'm not handing out the applause very well as, as the MC, <laughs> but, but varied stories, interesting stories. Um, but a, a simple question now, if you will. So there, yeah, we'd all, we'd all kicked off. We'd heard of this team and we'd got to watch it. What I want to cover now, briefly, if you can, is why you stuck with it. Why did it grip you? And we'll start with Roger. How come, all right, you'd gone to see that charity shield with a bit of luck, thanks to that rosette seller. Um, and, and later on, you went to see United, bizarrely, play at Plymouth Park and San Etienne. But why aren't you now a season ticket holder at Home Park, Roger? Why did you stick with Manchester United? What was it? I think what it is, you read about the Busby Babes and probably even back to the 30s when, when things were interesting at United. Obviously, the 60s, you know, were really successful and, you know, we thought they would probably never end those days, didn't we? Um, so from, obviously, the point that Dave Sexton took over, which was the point that I started watching, right up really to when Fergie got it right, you know. Uh, things were looking a bit thin, but, but I, I never gave up because I was sure that one day things would would get back to where they were obviously the holy trinity being being what they were were can i don't think we'll ever see that again you know they all won the ballon d'or and they were all unique players but there was still something about manchester united that just made me think you know i don't care that they haven't won the league since 1967 i, th I think they and i stick with it and you know i, I really the era. I, I thought you know when the football was good it was very good and, and when it wasn't it was awful to be to be polite but um you know we came close and, and I, I i just hope that one day somebody would be able to put us you know back where, where we belong really I've, I've known some great united fans you know that i've had as friends and their commitment much like yourself is just is mind-boggling i work with a hospital porter who earned about 35 40 pound a week not a lot of money, but he used to spend nearly every penny we earned going to Manchester United on a Saturday, getting the coach, he'd go to the pub beforehand, have a couple of pints, and he'd always bring me back a programme, and he'd never have any money off me for the for the programme when I didn't go, you know. And so I think actually fans keep you going back, the people that you meet, the conversations you have in the ground, maybe you don't sit next to everyone, but, but there's just... There's, a, there's something about Manchester United that just brings people together. And I, I love Old Trafford, and I know people knock the ground and say it's not as good as other grounds now, but I, there's so much history. And I, I, I love Old Trafford, and I would be absolutely gutted if we built a new stadium somewhere else because it wouldn't be Old Trafford. Don't believe all the stories you hear about Old Trafford falling apart. Uh, it, when I, I go to that ground every home game, and uh, not so much lately... But when we buzz in, when the team's buzzing, that ground is absolutely superb in atmosphere. And uh, when yeah. we're playing badly, even the meat pies are no good. So the Old Trafford Stadium, Tim, I see it on social media. It's got, a, it's got a couple of leaks and whatever, but it's still a fantastic place to be to, to, watch, to watch that team. You know, um, 
So, but but I don't think I don't think the fans will allow them to rebuild the stadium anywhere no. else. I hope not. Not in my lifetime. Can I can I tell you something else? Because I may talk to another guy. When I first got a league match ticket, book, I um, I sat down before before I bought it and thought, where am I going to have it? Am I going to you know have a nice seat in in the United Road? Am I, like, the first game I ever saw at Old Trafford was on K Stand. I saw a nil nil draw with Arsenal in '87, um, first home game of the season. Um, but when, when I got my league match ticket book, do you know, I thought there's only one place I can go and that was the Stratford End because the ground looked perfect from the Stratford End. I absolutely yeah. loved Old Trafford all the way round. You know, the seats were so, you know, you got such a good view from, from the seats. And when you think about all the people that have adorned the Stratford End and Dennis Law and so on, that, that's, that's where I had to go. And when I went with friends, um, obviously you can stand wherever you like, Half the time, I'd forfeit my ticket that I'd got on the Stretford end to go and sit in the seats elsewhere. I, I can't imagine yeah. having a ticket on the Stretford end on Saturday and think, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll go and sit in the East stand instead. It just, it just wouldn't happen. Oh, I can understand why it had to be the Stretford end, uh, Roger. There's just something magical about that place, whether it's the 60s or, yeah. uh, or, the, or the 2020s. Um, Okay, Roy, so there, there you are. You, you'd got your dad back. You'd seen United beat Chelsea, the champions. And then you went on the next few years to see Manchester United become champions of England two, two years running, which is no mean feat. But why wasn't your head turned by the great Wolves team that followed that of the late 50s, 58, 59, 60? Or the great Spurs side that won the cup twice and won the double, the first team in the... 20th century to win the double. Why wasn't your head turned by Wolves and Spurs? Why did you stick with Manchester United? Yeah, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but what's your first team? And they become your team. And you stick with it, good and bad. I mean, you turn up, um, they win, they lose, they draw, you enjoy, you're disappointed, you're annoyed, you're happy. But they're, they're your team. There's no social media, of course, in those days, which is making such a, a massive impact nowadays and you know from from 1954 55 to see the green of the pitch which i can't uh emphasize enough enough just to see the green because there's no color televisions and you know there's no green around where i lived in salford as i said uh and there's this green and then the color the real color of those football shirts like pete's just mentioned there wolverhampton wanderers and the Busby Babe, seeing them in the youth team, the reserves, and you know, winning into, and then of course Munich. I mean, which I still vividly, vividly remember. And then the days of Best Law, Charlton, um, um, Sir Alex arri arriving, uh, interviewing Sir Matt in his his old office uh, in 1983, um, winning European cups. Will will club and that's a trophy that's much maligned and should be lauded far for more. Will club champions, as in you are the best team in the club team in the world, um, and your team. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, they'll always be my team, in my life, and Manchester United is uh, is part of it, my life. Um. So Tim, you'd got across that you'd crossed the Atlantic, you'd seen mm -hmm. your heritage family home, um, and you'd seen Manchester United play in a great game. 
and you, 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 it'd been everything. Sometimes when dreams come true, they they don't always turn out to be great. But but yours did, I guess. Not just with that match and that trip, but ever since. But how come once you got a little bit older then and into your twenties, uh, you didn't think, hey, this MLS is a real good thing over, <laughs> over here in North America. I'll ditch that Man United stuff because I won't see them very often. Why did you stick with Man United rather than watch Toronto FC? Well, um, you know, of course there's the, the family ties, which I talked about, but, you know, having been over there and, you know, been there during the trouble year and then, you know, I came back and it was late in May, not even a month later. Um, so it was just over three weeks that I'm now watching United win the treble. How do you move on from that? It was just, it was just, and the, and the fashion in which they won it as well. It was just, um, it w really was, you know, that I look back at that period of my life, that year of my life was just storybook and a, st a storybook ending, watching them win the treble. And that just, not that there was ever any doubt, but it just it just became fanatical from that point on, and um, it could, in my twenties, you know, it just it just became you just fell more and more in love with this club. And Roy touched on one of my other great loves is history, and when you there's no other there's no other sporting club in the world for me that has the history that Manchester United has. Um, you know, there's some big clubs and some great clubs out there, but. You know, you look back at the triumph and the tragedy, you know, rebuilding from, you know, the ashes of, of Munich and how that affected not just the club, but the people of Manchester and, you know, how the whole city came together, um, you know, moving on to, you know, Doc's Red Army, um, the 80s and then through the 90s. And you read all these, you know, start engrossing yourself and reading the books and Talking to longtime Reds like you guys about, you know, your memories of the club and the stories and, um, you know, the football specials episode that we did, Pete, like that just, it just, it just becomes a part of you. It just becomes a part of life. And, and it's just something that, you know, it's much like it becomes one of like one of your, one of your family members um, and the great supporters, the great people that you meet that support the club as well. Um, you know, my away days are over here generally on preseason tours. So I just got back from New York in July and Reds from all over the world were there and, you know, got to talk to Annie Mitten and, um, you know, some of the other, you know, longtime Reds that cover the, that have their own independent fanzines that cover the, cover the club. Um, it, it's just tremendous people, a tremendous club. There's nothing like it. Nothing like being a Red. <laughs> no, that's right. Well no, <laughs> yeah, no, very, very eloquently put there, Tim. And uh, it's great Brilliant. to get that perspective. Somebody that lives so far away, even though the connection, Roger, down there in the southwest. Um, in a way, we're lucky, Roy and I. Uh, you can almost see Old Trafford from our bedroom window. Um, mm. Not, not that Roy and I shared a bedroom. I just want to put that. <laughs> in the not now, Pete. No, but. Um, it, it, it is a funny one, and in, in posing the question, um, sometimes you have to kind of self-analyse a bit, but we've all, all talked there about <clears throat> there was rough times, but we stuck with it, and then it was great. there's been great times. We've risen to some highs as a club uh, that, that other, other fans will never experience um, and, and that make it, make it so, so special. I just know that as a 10-year-old, it's... It, 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 it bit me, as I say, it became a drug. Um, I, I, I was uh, Georgie Best 
and the, and the players that played with it with him from 64 to 68 lit up my uh, late infancy and my early teens. They really did. The history, geography, maths just couldn't do it for me. Um, even though basically I had the ability, I proved later in life, I had the ability, but um, they all came second to Manchester United through those formative years. So did girls, so did drugs, so did discos. Um, I was interested in those things, but there was nothing, there was no drug like Manchester United. There was no girl like Manchester United. And um, as, as I went through my teens, I loved just running with the pack at the Stretford end, home and away. Every away game was an adventure, uh, whether we won, lost or drawn. And you talk about that family, Tim, that United family, when you were taking eight to 10 to 15,000 fans to away matches, there was just something special about that. It was a bit lawless, yeah, and it was different times, but it was, it was special. But I never, out, I never outgrew it in a way. Through my twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, I just had the bug. And when we all t we all refer to great times when we won trebles and doubles, and or the first time we won the league in twenty six years. But we also went down to the second division. Certainly, uh, Roger probably remember that, and, and Roy will. Mm. And we st we stuck with them. We stuck with them. No nobody, mm. no nobody protested. Nobody said they were giving up on United. We stuck with them. And that was because of the love of the club. It wasn't because we were glory hunters. It wasn't because we were playing great football, had great players. We had them before that and we had that after that. But in that time between about 71 and 75, it, it got pretty grim. But we stuck with it. In fact, in fact, we're, our loyalty was tested and proven um, beyond any shadow of a doubt. So, like Roy, I hope it stays with me to the day they, uh, they carry me out of Jay's stand. I hope that's not too soon. Um, I would like to see us start winning regularly again. Uh, but Manchester United is absolutely something special. Whoever you support, you're loyal to that team. But when you follow Manchester United, it just takes you to a different level, a different adventure. And um, there was a song in the 60s, a number one hit by a group called the Tremolos. Royal, remember? And it was, mm. it was called Even the Bad Times Are Good. And for me, following Manchester United for 60 years... Even the bad times are good, and the good times are absolutely superb. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. well and, said, Pete. And they always, and they always come back. The good times will come back. Yes, yeah, no yes, doubt about it. Well, Pete, that it's good to be back. That hour is just flown by, Roy Roger. It's 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 good to to see everybody and be back reminiscing about United. Um, this was a special one, I think, for all of us. You know, looking back on. How it started for us, our first match, and and why we're so in love with this football club. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching, or if you're listening on the audio version of the podcast, um, you can find us on Twitter at Warwick Road, uh, Warwick Road Walk. Um, that's our main Twitter page, and if you look in the description there, you'll see a link to our YouTube channel where you can watch all of our all of our streams as well as another Twitter handle for uh, where we've compiled all of the episodes um, where you can click them individually and watch them right from Twitter. So a couple of options for you. Um, we're on audio version across all major audio uh, podcast uh, mediums. So if you could drop us some comments on, on, uh, on YouTube or drop us comments on Twitter, let us know how it started for you. Let us know why you're so in love with United and what keeps you coming back. 
And we'll see you next time when we take another walk down the Warwick Road.